0: I'm glad you're here. Ephesians 5, if you have your Bible, you can head there. We'll be there in a few moments. My name is Pastor Jake. If you're new with us today, I'm the lead pastor, and it's my honor and privilege to unpack the Word with you, study the Word with you and for you today. We have been in a marriage series, a series on marriage called Fixer Upper, uh, these last few weeks, and today is going to be our last message in this series. Then next week, We're going to jump into a Christmas series that I'm very excited about. Just wrote the first uh, sermon for that this last week. It's going to be an awesome series. We're going to tell the story of Christmas, which is the greatest story ever told. The, The event that affected everything, that changed everything. But a story like that takes some time to unpack. And so we're going to use four Sundays to unpack that and look at it from four different vantage points. We're going to look at it from the vantage point of the prophets the shepherds, the wise men, and the angels. And so I'm excited about that series. Don't miss a great time, great season to be inviting your neighbors and your friends and your family to church uh, as we celebrate Christmas together. But the the idea of this series, Fixer Upper, uh, is pretty simple. With home ownership, Uh, We know that every house is eventually a fixer-upper, right? No matter if you build it or you buy it, every house ends up being a fixer-upper. We're going to have to maintain things and replace things and repair things and and deal with storms and the problems they cause. Just like every house is a fixer-upper, the premise of this message series is that every marriage is also a fixer-upper. Every single one. There are no easy relationships, There is no magical soulmate out there who you will not fight with or you will not struggle with. You won't find that person. They do not exist. There There is no greener grass out there. Um, There's no such thing. And so every marriage is a fixer-upper. And in this series, we've talked about how we need to uh, make sure that our foundation in our marriage is solid, right? And we, we talked in week one about accepting Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the foundation of our lives and of our marriage. And then in week two, we talked about how we need to learn how to weather storms, specifically how to weather the storms from inside our marriage, inside ourselves, how to resolve conflict that comes up, that way. Last week, week three, we talked about this idea that your marriage will go through different seasons. Specifically, we talked about how uh, our kids will affect the seasons of our marriage. Right, pre-kids, kids, and post-kids, basically. But you'll be married if you if you make it to the end. You'll be married about you know sixty something years, and sixty something percent of that uh, will be without kids. And so you need to be sowing in this season what you want to grow in that next season. you remember that? So that was last week. Um, And this week, though, I want to talk to you about the idea of building this marriage to last. Building your marriage to last. Building this house of your marriage to last. And like in week two, some of what I'm going to talk about today comes from one of my favorite books on marriage. It's called Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler. I threw some out at you, I think, in week two. I don't have any more to give you today, but you can grab it on Amazon or whatever. It's a great book. It goes through dating, being engaged, marriage. It's great for even parents with teens or grandparents with teens or something like that uh, to go through with their kids. Awesome book for you to get. But I don't think that any of us gets married with an expiration date in mind. I don't think on the wedding day, when we're standing in front of all these people and the pastor is saying the vows and he's he's saying, asking us, do you take this person to be your lawfully wedded husband or wife in, in sickness and in health, richer or for poorer, I said that backwards, till death do you part? I don't think any of us are going, hmm. I can do six years. <laughs> I can probably do six years faster. I think six years is what I can do. I can do the richer and the health, healthier part, and I could probably make it a decade, if I'm being honest. And I think I can make it a decade. Nobody's, nobody's doing that, right? Nobody is entering into their marriage with an expiration date in mind. Everybody is in it for the long haul, going for the long haul. Like, like no one buys a house, Planning to let it fall apart. Nobody wants their marriage to fall apart either. So, how do we build this thing to last? How do we make it to the end? Till death do us part? How do we build this thing to last? That's our question for today. But listen to me clearly. Ultimately, the answer to that question is Jesus Christ. You cannot build your marriage to last without Jesus Christ at the center. So I want you to hear that first. That's why we spent the first sermon in this series saying that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and the foundation of your marriage. And so that's really ultimately the answer. So don't miss that. Don't hear this out of context today. But what are some specific things that his word teaches us that will help us in this? Mark 10, 9, it'll be on the screen in a minute, but in Mark 10, Jesus fields a question from the Pharisees, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago in our Red Letters series, I took on the topic of divorce specifically. The whole sermon was about divorce. It was like the happiest Sunday we've ever had. And so that was exciting. We're not scared to deal with divorce at Great Oaks. It's not something we are worried about addressing. So go back and listen to that. And it had to do with a parallel passage where Jesus is asked about divorce from the Pharisees, and so you can listen to that online and hear that message about divorce. But at the end of his talk about divorce and marriage, Jesus says this. He says in Mark 10, verse 9, What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Have you ever heard that before? You may have heard the King James Version at the end of a wedding or during a wedding. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. But we don't say put asunder, so we switched it to separate. Let not man separate. So I want to say this just to kind of give us a springboard and get us going today. God is not the one separating what he joined together. That's on us. God is not the one separating what he has joined together. That's on us. This is important because a lot of us want to blame God for our failed marriages, for our loneliness, for our, the, the fact that our marriage just isn't going the way that we thought it should go or would go. It's falling apart. Like, God, why have you done this to me? Why did you make me marry this person? Why can't you give me somebody better? Why can't you give me somebody more godly, a more godly husband? God, why did you make me marry this woman? Why would you give me this woman? Why didn't you give me another one? God isn't to blame for these things. We are. Our sin, our selfishness, our foolishness, our refusal to listen to him, to his wisdom, and his guidance about marriage, that's what has caused these problems in marriage. But that doesn't feel good, right? So we don't want to own up to that. We'd rather blame God or, or this impersonal cosmic force called love. We say things like, well, I can't help it. I just fell out of love with her. Like it's something you just kind of stumble out of, right? Whoops, I fell out of love. Whoop, fell back in. <laughs> Everything's fine. Fell out again. Oh, gosh, it's a bad day. I fell out of love with you. I, can't, I just fell out of love with my wife. I just don't feel... Love for him anymore. Or on the other side, I can't help that I love this person. We just fell into love. It doesn't matter that I'm already married. It's this impersonal force. We just don't want to take the blame. It's just a cop out. It's just the easy way out. It's much harder to admit the truth that this house didn't come crashing down on its own. That we let it fall apart. That we pulled it down on top of our heads. I mean, we get this with our, with our homes, right? Our houses, like signing the contract or building the house or moving in. It's just the beginning. You still got to keep the house up. I and mean, how ridiculous would it be to buy a house or build a house, do nothing for 10 years, and as it's falling apart, go, why, God? Why did you let my house fall apart? That'd be ridiculous, right? It's the same thing with marriage, and yet we still blame God. If you want your house to last, you have to build it that way. You have to keep it up. You have to do the repairs and the maintenance and the work. And you can't walk around the house just like knocking random holes in the walls. You can't flood the basement on purpose. You can't do that. It works the exact same way with marriage. Marriage many of us, we, we start out pretty well. Before we're married, we're pursuing and we're sacrificing and, and we're doing all of that. And sometimes when we get married, we, we do that for a while, but many of us, somewhere along the way, we stop doing those things. We stop maintaining the house. We stop building it up to be a house that lasts. We, we stop those things and it, it gets us in trouble and somehow we're Surprised when the house starts falling down. So, I'm going to give you some, some things to do today, and you can think of these things as, as load bearing walls in a house that's built to last. Things you got to keep doing, things that if you remove the house will probably fall down. And we could talk about a million different things, maybe not a million, but a thousand different things having to do with marriage and how to build it to last, but. Today I'm going to give you two things, two things for men, two things for women. Uh, we're going to do one kind of foundational thing for each and one kind of smaller uh, thing. And obviously you can apply these. If you're a woman, you can apply the, the one to men and vice versa. But, but these are some things to discuss together and see how they play out in your relationship. Now before I get, get, give you these, before I give you these things to do, let me just kind of uh, lay a ground rule or two. Um, during today's message... No elbowing your spouse. Don't elbow your spouse and say something like, write that down. <laughs> don't do that, okay? Don't, we're not going to do that. Don't, when you get in the minivan, you are not allowed to fight about this message. You are not allowed to argue. You are not allowed to get in the minivan and go, did you hear what he said? You, you need to be better at that. Or you're horrible at that. Or you're not the wife that, that they talked about. Don't, don't do that. Don't. Please. I'm begging you, don't do that. Here's the only thing you're allowed to say to your spouse after this message. What did you think about what pastor said? (laughs) What did you think about it? That's it. Or better yet, maybe, man, I don't do that well. I don't do that well. What he was talking about, I don't do it well. I need to be better at that. I need to work at this. Maybe own up to some things. And then ask, what do you think about what pastor jake was talking about start with what you heard that applies to you not your spouse basically don't be your spouse's holy spirit they don't need you to be their holy spirit they already have the holy spirit so don't be your spouse's holy spirit today just ask what they thought own up to your own issues don't listen for them listen for you so let's talk broad and foundational first And we'll talk first to husbands, and we'll look at Ephesians 5. We're going to come back to the beginning of this passage on marriage marriage in verse 22, but right now I want to skip down to verse 25 and the instruction to husbands specifically. It says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. Okay, so to the man, he goes, you're going to love your wife like Christ loved the church. And so you start to think through it. How does Christ love his bride? How does he show his love to the church? And you think, well, he left the glories of heaven and entered human history for her. He gave his physical body for her. He was tortured on a cross and murdered for her. Jesus did all this For his bride, but here's the kicker and what I want you to hear today. He does it all not because the bride asks for it, but because he initiates it on his own. He does it himself. He doesn't wait for the bride to come to him, he goes to the bride. He makes the first move. And that's what I think is so big about this text. I mean, think about it. You and me, the bride, we didn't come to Jesus going, I need saving, Jesus. I'd really like you to come to heaven and save, come to earth from heaven and and save me. If you get a chance, save me, Jesus. That's not what we did. We didn't come to Jesus and go, I love you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to worship you before you even save me. I'm going to follow you and follow your commands. We didn't do any of that. The bride of Jesus, you and me, We were stuck in our sin, content in our filth, not looking for a Savior. And yet Jesus Christ made the first move in the salvation of his bride. What does this mean for us men? In marriage, as we make this comparison in Ephesians 5 between what Jesus did for the church and what we are to do for our wives, it means this. In marriage... Men are to make the first move. In marriage, men are to make the first move. Make the first move when it comes to building your marriage to last. When it comes to health, when it comes to wholeness in your marriage, make the first move, men. Here's a quick example I heard another pastor use. The Bible Bible says that we shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. That just means we shouldn't go to bed angry right? It's very clear about that. The reason for that is that when you go to bed angry with your spouse, you'll face this way, she'll face that wall, and you'll just allow this, 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 root of bitterness to grow in your heart, right, to grow in your mind and in your soul, and, and you won't even just allow it to, you, you'll help it grow, right, because you're looking this way, she's looking that way, and you're thinking in your head, like, she doesn't think I'm capable, she doesn't respect me, she this, she that, and she's doing the same thing, just allowing this bitterness, this root of bitterness to, to grow in, in your heart, and so the Bible is very clear, it goes, hey, you need to, that's not good, You need to nip this thing in the butt. You need to take care of it as much as you possibly can. Take care of it before you go to bed. Resolve this conflict before you go to bed at night. So I think the weight of this falls on us men. I think the weight of it falls on us men. And I know you're thinking, Pastor Jake, you don't know my wife, all right? You don't know my wife. Like, I've seen your wife up there. She's pretty. She's, like, super nice and seems really sweet and and caring. Listen, last week I saw lightning shoot from my wife's eyes and kill a bunch of kittens. (laughs) I mean, you don't know my wife. Kittens, Pastor Jake, dying. Here's what I would tell you biblically, though. If your wife, in that moment, 10.30, 11 o'clock, midnight, you're facing this way. She's facing that way in your bed. And she is 99.999% to blame. She should absolutely make the first move to make things right. But if not, the responsibility and the weight falls on us men to make that Right, To make the first move. To tap her on the shoulder and say, Honey, I need to apologize. Things just didn't go well. Didn't react the way I wanted to. I need to apologize for my .0001%. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you don't use numbers. <laughs> maybe it'll go better for you if you don't use numbers. But you, you, say, you say, Aaron, uh, your wife's name, not my wife's name. You say their name. <laughs> and you say... This thing is, it didn't go well. I'm so, I need to apologize for my part in this. I didn't say what, what I wanted to. I said what I didn't mean. I, I'm here till the end. I'm not going anywhere. I love you so much. I'm sorry. I need to apologize for that. And listen, men, then it's over. You do not go, Aaron, I, I need to apologize for my part in this. Is there anything you want to say to me? Because I thought you might have something you want to say to me. No, I take it back then, right? That's not the way it should work. The initiative is on me to be the peacemaker in my home. Listen, men, to fight for our wife's wholeness, to fight for her health, to fight for it. Listen, like Jesus did for me like Jesus did for me, even if I'm 99.999% innocent in the conflict. Husbands, you want to build this thing to last all the way to the end? You want to make it through the 50th anniversary? Then you're going to have to make the first move in all things. That's the weight, the responsibility that's on the man, the husband. In this marriage it means that that's what it means to love your wife just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her make the first move Jesus made the first move and aren't you glad he did I mean aren't you glad yeah all right well here's here's what I want to do next I I don't know if you notice but I'm a dude and I, that means I'm not a wife, and although I think God gives grace and and mercy for me to be able to speak to women and speak to wives about what the Bible says, and he's always good and faithful in that, uh, this time, as I prepared this message, I felt led in a different direction, and so I've asked my wife, the love of my life, to talk to you and kind of team teach with me uh, for a few moments. Is that okay with everybody? Okay, all right, come on up, Aaron. It doesn't matter if it's okay. She's got a face mic, so it's fine. doesn't matter if you don't want her to come.
1: You can disagree all you want. I'm here. so No, I'm just kidding. I like your cardigan. You're killing the cardi. You're doing a good job.
0: Thanks, babe. It's for you.
1: <laughs> so, okay. Um, so I love what you're saying about husbands making the first move. And I just want to add something really quick is that women, um, just because it's their responsibility does not mean that we're going to sit back with our arms crossed and say, okay, you get to come to me every single time. No, if you obviously know that you need to go and apologize, we need to initiate these things too. While it is their responsibility and it's the it, it goes to the weight of the man to do this, we have got to work together. Even when we, the wives, are in the wrong, stuck in our pride and our sin, we have to make sure that we're carrying this burden with our husbands because I think there's a difference between initiating and leading Uh, Our kids have got to see our husbands leading our family. But it's way easier and more ideal if we're both open to initiating those things. Um, So, all right, ladies. Pastor Jake gave us a foundational principle for our husbands. So let's look at Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the house. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So I think it's interesting that the Bible talks to wives first and then to the husbands. And I think that might be because it's impossible to lead someone if they don't want to follow, right? If we've already decided in our hearts that we don't want to follow our husband, nothing is going to work. This is not going to work. And so... Um, I think it's really huge, but that's not even the foundational principle I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, The idea of submitting to your husband's lead is uh, something that would take way longer to go over, and it's not even something that would be my place to do it. But I'm going to assume that you ladies, like me, want your husband to lead your your marriage, right? Right? Anybody? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. (laughs) We probably should start over.
0: You have, to, you have to ask him twice. You have to ask him twice. Just say That's wives. That's the trick. Okay. Do you
1: want wives. Do you want your husband to lead your marriage, like I want my husband to lead our marriage? Oh, that was so much better. better. Okay, good. So you gotta All right. Give a shout so out, yeah. second time is the charm. All right. So um, you know, with that in mind, the the thing that I feel like is one of the most effective tools to do this that you can put in your fixer upper tool belt. I asked him if I could wear a tool belt, and he said no. But I just thought that would really like, you know. Lies. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyways, okay. So the tool for your fixer-upper tool belt would be um, your words. It would be um, for you to use your words to build your husband up, not to tear him down. Um, So whether your husband admits it or not, your words have a huge impact on him. They have such a big play. They play such a big part in your marriage and in your life. Your words can either build him up and help him be what God and you want him to be, or they can tear him down and destroy and work against yourself in that way. So have you ever noticed what Proverbs says about wives? Let's look at Proverbs 12.4. You can turn there real quick. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones rottenness in his bones. So there's a type of wife, there's a type of woman that is the crown in all that, your hus- that the husband accomplishes and in all the things that he does. But there's another type of wife, the kind who, like a disease, eats away at her man's ability to be what God wants him to be, tearing him down, attacking him, and whittling away at any opportunity that she gets. And Proverbs is not kind to this woman. It says that it would be better for a man to live on his roof than to live with a woman like this. It would be better for a man to die in the desert. Die in the desert. A long, (laughs) slow, painful death. It would be better for him to do that than to live with a woman like this. A quarrelsome wife, it says. Loving a woman like this is like trying to hold on to oil. Loving a woman like this is like trying to stop the wind. It seems impossible. And I think some of us are making it unbelievably difficult for our husband to be what we want him to be. We, may, we take his chances away from him. And then what I found is that these women tend to be really verbal in, in constantly talking about the fact that he, has, he's, he lacks the ability to be a man. They are continually tearing him down. And it just doesn't make any sense. So just check your own heart and check your life. Which wife are you in Proverbs? Hear what I'm trying to say. Our words matter, they are so important to our husbands. So we have incredible power. Power to build him up and to make things make things great and amazing. And we also have power to tear it down. So choose to build up. So back to you, good looking.
0: Oh, thank you. Thanks, babe. Thank you. <laughs> I lost my place because she called me good looking. Oh man! Just got me. Just got maybe made me, maybe me lose my place there. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. So, uh, husbands make the first move, and wives use your words to build your husbands up instead of uh, tearing them down. That's our two kind of fi- foundational things for you to discuss this week as you try to. Talk about building a marriage that lasts. Now, we'll give you two kind of smaller ones, still important, uh, but not as foundational. So, for the men, here's your second one Uh, it is pay attention. Pay attention. Seems easy, but we're bad at it, (laughs) right? So, pay attention. Pay attention. Your wife is probably telling you every single thing you need to know in order to build your marriage to last through the 50th anniversary. You just have to pay attention. You just have to listen to her when she's telling you something about her day, something she desires, something that she's going through, her hopes, her wants. Pay attention. Knowing your wife is a lifelong process. If you think that you already know her completely, you are wrong. It is a lifelong process to know your wife deeply. When she's talking to you about those things, take notes. Like literally. Like step around the corner when she's not looking and type something into your phone. Like take notes so you remember this. And I'm not just talking about the three times a year, right? Birthday, anniversary, and Valentine's Day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about beyond that, more than that. And I'm not just talking about material things, although I think that that's part of this for sure. Like, you know how sometimes you kind of wake up from a dream and you're all of a sudden like in the middle of the hell that is walking through the mall store by store with your wife? And you kind of go like, how did I get here? Like, did I black out or what? I thought she said we were going out to eat, but she tricked me again, all right? And so you're walking through the mall, and she's shopping or looking at things. This is a great time for you to listen and pay attention and hear what she's saying because she's saying things like, this is, don't you think this is cute? Or I, need, I think I need a new one of these. Or what do you think about this? She's telling you everything you need to know to strengthen the house, to show her you love her, Because as you're walking around, she's sharing those things with you. So pay attention. She's giving you all the clues you need. She wants to be known by you, men. So take notes. But outside of the material, listen to what your wife is saying. And and then here's an idea. This is just a crazy idea. And I know none of the men in here are taking notes right now. And so that's a great sign for you guys. You're knocking it out of the park. Your wife is taking notes for you, which is going to end up in... (laughs) a fight in the minivan. (laughs) So I know you're not going to write notes no matter what I say. I got it. I got your arms crossed. I'm I'm with you. You can uncross your arms. I get what you're saying. Um, But here's just a crazy idea. Uh, maybe, Maybe when she tells you something, you bring it up later. It's just a crazy idea. Maybe when she tells you something that's going on in her life, like something she's struggling with or worried about, or something good that's happening, something that God's doing in her life, just a crazy idea, maybe you kind of like write it down and talk about it two days later. It will blow your wife's mind. She'll be like, you were listening? This is the first time you've ever brought up something that I mentioned days later. This is amazing. Improvement, good jobs. go back to church. It's working, right? It's working. And so not too long ago, I said something uh, that Aaron had talked about, something that she had talked about about a while before, days before, asked her how it was going, checked in on it or whatever, and she just put her hand on my hand and just looked me in the eyes and goes, you heard me. I don't know what that says for the other times, but <laughs> you heard me. I mean, it was, it's a big deal to my wife Erin that she is heard by me, and it's a big deal, men, to your wife. They, they want to be heard. She wants to be heard by you as well. It speaks volumes to her, and so maybe it's encouraging her in an area you see a gifting that needs to be cultivated, or you see her getting joy. Maybe it's singing or playing an instrument, or, or uh, painting, or scrapbooking, or, or whatever. But but you give her something, you encourage her in that way, you say something about it, and it's no strings attached. Then you just whatever she does with that, she does with it. Like it's not coming back around going, hey, did you use the thing I got you? It's not, it's not like that. It's just the goal of it is to let her know that you're still learning about her and you still love her and you still want her joy. And listen, this is not men. This is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. This is, this is you sing good, hear piano. That's what this is. You don't have to be smart to figure this out. Like, you say you like shirt. I buy a shirt for you. <laughs> it's not difficult. Okay, man? Like don't make it when it's not. It's not difficult to figure this out. So pay attention. Your wife is telling you everything you need to know to strengthen the house and build it to last the long haul. Pay attention. Aaron, what's yours for the women?
1: All right. Mine is really quick, and really it's very specific to wives, Um, obviously. (laughs) uh, So we already talked about using our words to build up our husbands, Um, and here's your little one. It is don't stop flirting with your husband, that is. Uh, don't stop initiating affection. Don't make him be the one that's always doing that, that's always having to start that. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy here. I'm talking about throughout the day. I'm talking about holding hands or hugs or slaps on the behind when no one's around, or when they are, you know, it's up to you. But um, but it's talking about, saying things like when he comes down ready for work, you can say, wow, look at that stud. Or, you know, Maybe calling him, texting him throughout the day, letting him know that you're thinking about him, Um, leaving him a note and a cookie in his car or, you know, kale, if that's your thing, whatever, you know, (laughs) something that'll speak to him that you're thinking about him and that you care, Uh, a smile and a kiss, Um, talking about giving him something to think about as he goes to work and then something to look forward to when he comes home. So don't stop flirting now that you're married or even because you've been married 10 years, 20 years, 40 um, don't stop flirting. And so I said that I'm not just talking about physical intimacy, but I'm not not talking about it either. Um, be available in that way, too. Offer it. i I think that too many women use it as a reward for good behavior. And that's kind of the message that we get from TV, movies, and society is that, Um, We have to make him work for it, or I'll only give him what he wants if he helps me around the house. Um, And you'll need to decide for yourself in your marriage, but I don't really think that's a very healthy way to do things. So some wives will say, well, he needs to know that he has to do this and be this and make sure to get me this before I'm going to be what he wants me to be in bed. But isn't that backwards? I mean, why do our husbands have to do all these things in order to get rewarded with intimacy? Don't you think it works the opposite way? That as we meet his needs and show our unconditional love for him in that way, it will help him be the husband God wants him to be. Years ago, when we had this conversation together as a family, it was like, for me, we didn't,
0: include, I, we didn't include our kids in that. But sorry, yeah, you know, that would it was be just awkward. us two. <laughs> This
1: is why I don't preach much. Um, So, No, but it was like mind-blowing to me because wives, as you see the full trash can and you wish that somebody else would take it out when it's full and overflowing and you don't want to do that every time, which by the way, he did three times this week. He is, he's really noticing, but, um, you you know, just as we, (laughs) as we want that, Um, And as much as you want him to say, you know what, you need to get your girlfriends together on Thursday, and I'll take the kids, and you guys go out and have a good time, or to the women's event next week, (laughs) husbands, hint, hint, (laughs) Um, or bringing home flowers on his way from work or things like that, that is how he desires physical intimacy. I know, all of you are just like... (laughs) <laughs> so, but really, it's a very different perspective, and so it's really important for us to see that. Our society and our own selfishness has taught us from early on that our needs need to be met first before we will think about what somebody else wants. But that's not the way of Christ. That's not how it is. Marriage was not made to complete you. Your husband is not here to complete you. Marriage is not for you to get something. Marriage is for you to give first. First. It's to give God glory and to draw attention to how Jesus loves us and sacrifices for us. The kind of love that we're talking about is constant. And it can't be taken away based on behavior. So this may not be the biggest load-bearing wall in the, in the marriage that you're building to last. But I think it's a really important one. So wives, don't stop flirting with your husbands.
0: Awesome. Thanks, babe. Hey, you want to go to lunch later? Yeah. All right, let's do it. chick fil chick fil A's closed. Oh, we have coupons. Um, can we give it up for Aaron? Thank you for sharing. Aaron, appreciate that. Husbands, make the first move. Pay attention. Wives, use your words to build up your husbands, not tear them down. And then don't stop flirting. Obviously, there are a thousand other things we could talk about. And I hope you hear this message specifically in the context of the other three messages in this series. But we just don't have time to get into everything today. But Hebrews 12 says this. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus. Run the race with endurance. Not run the race with speed. We're not talking short term, we're talking long term here. Run the race with endurance. Not to finish first, but to finish well. Run this race to finish well. Build a house that lasts. I don't know about you, but I so want to finish well when it comes to my marriage. I want to build a house that lasts the long haul. I want to finish well. Starting well is a good thing, but I want to finish well. Signing the contract on the house is exciting. It's a big deal. But it's only the beginning of building a house, maintaining a house that will last the long haul. The wedding day, it's exciting. It's fun. It's a big day when you make those vows, but it's just the beginning. I want to build my marriage to last. Have you ever seen an elderly couple out and about, maybe at a restaurant or a park, and and they're just tender to each other, just talking tenderly to each other, maybe holding hands, something like that? When you see that, aren't you moved by that? I mean, doesn't that just move you? When you see that, maybe he's opening the door for her and waiting for her, or she's reading the menu to him because his eyesight has gone. Or you notice how in sync they are as they walk or as they talk together. No matter what season you're in or what stage of life you're in, there's always a race to be run. There's always the pursuit. There's always work to be done to keep that house strong. Listen, beloved. Don't let your mind drift in the autopilot and act like because you're already married or because you've been married 10 years or more that everything will just work itself out. Do not do that. Don't think, well, I'll worry about that when I get to my 80s. No, this is how you get to your 80s with the one you're married to right now. You pursue You play the long game. Just like a house, every marriage is a fixer-upper. Every marriage has problems. Every marriage has issues. All of us are learning and growing in our marriages. So the question is, will you take the time and the purposeful action to build your marriage in a way that will last till the end? Or will you do nothing and watch as the house falls down around you? I pray that you'll build your marriage to last. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I'm always thankful, God, that you are so faithful to speak to us every single day, every time we open your word, every time we study it, every time we seek to follow it and be changed by it. You're so faithful in that. I'm thankful, God, today for that. I pray, as always, that whatever is of human origin today would quickly be forgotten, would fall to the wayside. But whatever was of you would stick with us, would not be easily forgotten would haunt us this week. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would protect our marriages, that you would convict us where things need to change. Convict us if we have yet to make you the foundation, the center of our marriage. Convict us where we, personally, are in the wrong and need to change, need to be more like you in some areas. I pray that that spirit of conviction would not leave us. We would constantly be looking at ways at how we could be the husband or the wife you've called us to be. We need your help, Jesus. And I pray for those in this room who have yet to give their lives over to you completely as we studied in Ephesians 5. The idea that marriage is a picture of what you did for us on the cross, Jesus. I pray that as we studied that and looked at that, that a seed was planted and that that seed of the gospel would find good soil today and would take root. That they, these people who have yet to give their lives over to you completely would do that right now, would be moved to do that right now because of the great sacrifice You paid for us because you went all the way. You didn't wait for us to ask for your help. You didn't wait for us to fix ourselves up before you saved us, but you made the first move. I pray that that moves everyone in this room who has yet to give their lives over to Jesus to do so today, to make that decision, to be transformed. We love you, Jesus. We give all of this into your hands and we trust you with it in your holy and precious name that I pray. Everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me? If your spouse is in the room, you need to move around or move kids around or something to get next to them, get next to them, hold their hand, put your arm around them as I say this prayer over our marriages, this last kind of fixer-upper prayer over our marriages. Here it is. May we always have the long view in mind. Husbands, may we lead sacrificially like Jesus leads us. Wives may you work hard to build your husband up into everything God wants him to be and what therefore God has joined together let not man separate God bless you thank you so much for coming today and being a part of our Fixer Upper series as always I encourage you to talk this over with your life group Stop at Connection Central on your way out if you're not in a life group. And my challenge to you is to not let this stop with you, just like you have been helped to take your next step towards God and towards each other in marriage. So go out and help others do the same. Open the Bible this week with somebody, family, friends, neighbors. Talk about Ephesians 5. Talk about God's great love for us and His design for marriage. Be Jesus followers who make and disciple other Jesus' followers. God bless. We'll see you next week as we start our Christmas Vantage Point series.